Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Chemistry at University podcast. For those of you who are new, this is a series aimed at sixth form students in the United Kingdom who are studying A-level chemistry and who want to gain an insight in studying chemistry at university. My name is Max Taylor and I am a third year chemistry undergraduate at Durham University who studied chemistry, maths and physics at A-level. In today's episode, we're going to hear the second part of my interview with Professor Anne-Maria Donoghue. Last time, we spoke to her about her background and her undergraduate teaching here at Durham. We then built on this by giving you a brief look at how isotope labelling can be used to determine the reaction mechanisms that you're learning at the moment at A-level. Today, we shall be speaking to her about her research, which is strongly related to the concepts that we discussed in the last episode. We shall have a look at what her master's students study and hear about the science that she and her research group get up to. As always, there's a PDF handout associated with this episode, and you can find that in the podcast notes. Finally, if you haven't already, I'd recommend that you listen to the previous episode before you listen to this one, as the concepts that we discussed last time really do help link into what we're going to be discussing today. Anyway, let's get back to it, and let's hear the second part of my interview with Professor O'Donoghue. Uh, so I'm aware that fourth year's master's project students have just started. So maybe something for our listeners to look forward to in the, in the next couple of years. Could you tell me a little bit more about what students could expect in their fourth year if they do an integrated master's and maybe a bit about what your current master's students are doing? Okay, absolutely. So um, with the Durham degree programme, our students, if they choose to do the integrated master's, uh, they have the option either to stay in Durham in their final year, which in general, most students choose to do, uh, or uh, they can go to a lab in industry uh, or they can go to a lab overseas if they choose. And we'll help them if for those students, if they choose to go to industry or overseas, we'll help them find these placements. We have some long-term um, friends in, in different universities uh, all over the world and they've taken students from Durham for a long period of time. Similarly in industry, uh, we routinely send our students to all of the big pharmaceutical companies, um, for example, GlaxoSmithKline and so on. So, um, so that's a well-established program. So, uh, but as I say, the large majority choose to stay in Durham. And I also think that's an excellent option. Uh, we're very well equipped as a department. You know, our, our facilities are just as good as all the top universities in, in the country. And I think one of the big benefits to staying in Durham for your final year project is you get to use these hands-on. So you get experience of, of using all this fantastic kit. So, so in the final year, you will be assigned a supervisor. I can briefly mention how that's done, but um, so you're assigned a supervisor and you join their lab essentially as a research student and you're in their lab for the term one and term two alongside attending some lectures. Uh, but in, in fourth year, the number of lectures or courses that you do is much decreased compared to third year and earlier years. So a large majority of your time um, will be spent on your, on your research project in, in the lab. So it's quite exciting as a general rule, students really tend to enjoy it. They find, bizarrely find the year more relaxing than any other year. <laughs> that's <laughs> a, probably the only master's program where that's the case, I think. So, <laughs> so it might get a wee bit stressful when it comes to project submission, but you know, it's, it's, quite, it's an enjoyable year. You work on your project with your supervisor, you'll be interacting with the PhD 
PhDs and postdocs in the lab who also help, you know, as, as you're working, you meet with your, your supervisor um, on a daily basis, um, and you'll also have regular group meetings. So within my research group, for example, I just had one last night. We don't normally do them at night, <laughs> but <laughs> for various reasons, we had to do it yesterday evening. Um, but um, so we, I, we meet and we chat about how things have gone over the past week and everybody presents their research. And, you know, through being exposed to other people's projects as well as your own, you actually learn a lot. And some other people in the group will offer tips if you've got a synthesis isn't quite going according to plan, etc. Um, so, you know, we all offer suggestions for how that might be tweaked, etc., to, to improve. Um, so that's essentially it in a nutshell, but uh, around now uh, for, for Max's year, uh, towards the end of term two, you know, students will start to choose research areas. So we normally, um, you get a form to fill, it'll probably be electronic this year, um, and you tick, you're asked to, to prioritise research areas that you like. And these are usually aligned with the research groupings in our department. So we have six research groupings and all of the academics are affiliated to two, sometimes more of these groupings. So they'll offer projects affiliated with the groupings. So the students tick their, the, the areas they like, the staff provide projects aligned with the areas and then essentially education committee in the department um, so join the dots and that's done anonymously. Um, so they make sure that, uh, that students get a project in the area of in you know, one of their areas of interest. So that's that's how it typically works. And then around um, so you should find out um, certainly over the break, more than likely um, you'll find out who your supervisor is. And then once the exams are out of the way in third year, you uh, meet with your project supervisor, usually um, just as soon as the exams early June time. Um, and you have a chat about the project, you're given literature to read over the summer. Um, usually there's scope to change, um, you know, so for example, in my lab, we do a variety of different things. Um, so there is scope to move between different projects. Someone who's perhaps more biologically focused, I might give a more biological project or somebody who prefers a physical organic end I'll, I'll, won't give a biological project and give them a more physical organic or indeed I mean even we all can do you know we, we all do a lot of synthesis these days so you know you, you, if that's what you would like and we can always dictate a project more along those lines so so it's just to yeah there's a lot of flexibility you can talk to your supervisor you decide on a project and then you you go off and read the literature for the summer and then come back in October and essentially start off in the lab we have there's a few things that we need to get you started on for safety and all of that um, so there is a sort of crash course at the beginning that all our fourth years have to do um, in being aware of, of safety so in, you know it's quite important obviously when it comes to, to chemistry so um, and then you start off in the labs and uh, follow your project through uh, for the year but it's it's always I think students always worry that you know oh, am, am I going to achieve etc but it's it's such an interesting thing you will be constantly talking to your supervisor um, you know it, you will be given something more accessible to start off with and then you'll work towards a, a more challenging question usually so I hope that gives some in insight. No that was great I, I learned stuff there that I, I didn't know uh, know was the case so that, that's perfect thank you um, so, okay. so building on that it'd be interesting uh, you, you briefly have mentioned sort of what what your lab 
uh, what your research group does. So um, what are your current areas of research interest? What, what, what's going on? What, what are you interested in beyond what you've already, already mentioned? Okay. Um, well, as, as mentioned, I'm interested in mechanisms. So everything we've done to date and probably going forward has been determination of mechanism for organic and biological processes. But probably overall, uh, the overarching interest as well is catalysis. So I'm particularly interested in organic catalysis and enzyme catalysis. And depending on the time of my career, the last 15 years, sometimes it's been more of a pitch towards organo, a little bit more towards enzyme. At the moment, we're very much pitched towards organocatalysis, although there are a couple of biological projects going on as well. Um, so organocatalysis um, is a research area where we use small organic molecules to speed up reactions. So um, you probably, certainly Max will know, uh, for many years, metals have been the catalysts of choice and they're fantastic at what they do. So we have many fantastic metallic systems uh, that work as catalysts. However, there are some disadvantages. So it's not necessarily sustainable. Uh, there aren't uh, certain metals. Uh, there are diminishing resources, natural resources of these metals. They're, they're expensive. They can be toxic. And also, and this is probably one of the biggest issues, challenging to use. So in a synthetic context, you have to use really rigorous conditions, glove boxes, careful control of, of reaction conditions, exclusion of moisture, all of that. So for that reason, and it's a bit like the energy problem, I think, um, you have to diversify <laughs> and use a whole range of, of different types of approaches. Um, so, and I'm interested in organocatalysis. So organocatalysis, it probably there's been a big, in organic chemistry, it is a really big area. There's been an interest in that area now, probably coming up on 20 years now, as a, a bit more recently, it's become more popular. Um, and I would say, being completely honest, organic catalysts have a bit to go to catch up on the, uh, the metal catalysts, but they have their advantages. They're easier to make, easy to use. You, can use. you don't have to use a glove box, for example, and they're certainly sustainable. All of the chemicals you use to access them are readily available. So they have their advantages. Uh, so where I come in, or I think I like to think we help, uh, is that we try to understand how they work. And in that way, we hope to be able to fine tune and improve the, the organocatalysts. Um, and I'm particularly interested in a, a, an organocatalyst based on N-heterocyclic carbenes. Um, in fact, the inspiration for this, not just me, but others who use it as well, comes from biology, because there's a cofactor called thiamine, uh, which Dr. Hodgson will cover in his third year course. There's a cofactor called thiamine, and that has been, it uses an, N, an NHC in biology as, as, a, as a catalyst. So we are essentially mimicking that in what we do in an organic chemistry context uh, in the lab. So I've been working on all sorts of different NHCs in the lab. So fourth year students who come in, uh, many of the, many students have contributed to this um, and make the catalysts, the precursors to the carbenes, they're relatively stable carbenes. Um, and then we apply them in a variety of different reactions, carbon-carbon um, bond forming reactions in particular, those that are used to the, the pharmaceutical industry um, and try to understand both how they work and how we can improve the rates of uh, conversion and, and so on. So that's a major focus. Um, another focus has been more recently on stable radicals. And uh, that was actually a bit of an accident 
it came about from a, from an a normal car, one of our normal carbine projects, and we accidentally it was a fourth year project student who happened to uh, isolate a novel, a very novel, uh, stable radical. And we were lucky enough to have our research published in Nature Communications, so it was great. Um, and from that, that has uh, led to a variety of other projects working on stable radicals. We've moved into different directions, so sometimes you can't predict where you might go. So the projects going on with the stable organic radicals at the moment, some of them are, uh, a couple of them are with uh, the Newcastle Medical School, because the type of radicals that we've isolated are implicated in the mechanisms of action of certain uh, drugs. So tirapazamine is currently in phase three of clinical trials for uh, anti-hypoxia, for example. Um, so yeah, that's it's taken us in that direction, but also we're interested in them from a materials point of view. So these stable organic radicals have applications as organic materials for their magnetic properties. So yeah, so that's sort of a diverse spread uh, of, of what we do in the lab at the moment. I hope that's that's useful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's really interesting because Professor Steed had the exact same situation where basically a random thing discovered by his project student had actually heavily influenced the work that his group is doing. So it's now interesting that uh, for our listeners, in, in both cases, people, you know, not that far off where they are now have actually steered research in a certain direction which is really interesting to hear and it was also interesting to hear um about the organic catalyst because i'm actually writing about this exact thing in my dissertation right now i'm writing oh, on the fantastic on the uh, catalysis of polylactic acid synthesis and it, it is interesting how basically every single available catalyst is a metal but they are now so, yeah, there are starting to be a few more recent papers where they are starting to see some some more organic catalysis so it's yeah. You know, e e even though I'm writing dissertation in a in a different field to you, it's still interesting how it's still very relevant this and very topical this this issue and you know on the wider society topic of sustainability and Absolutely. sort of how can we do things in in, in a better way. Absolutely. So I think um I just have one more question, which is, has been as mentioned previously, sort of running theme through your research, which is ju just how many different fields it, it spans. So I was just wondering if you could. I mean, you, you've already elaborated on the different fields you cover, but sort of how can someone at A-level who has, as I said earlier, interest might be doing three sciences and, and loves all three of them, which I found is actually quite rare amongst A-level students, but there are some, uh, and sort of how they can continue to explore those interests. Uh, I think, you know, you said earlier, you're a great example of, of someone who liked lots of them and managed to still do lots of them. So maybe you could just elaborate on that a bit, please. Yeah. Um, well, I... I probably start out by saying that these days chemistry is so interdisciplinary um, much more so than I was coming through undergraduate and so on. Uh, so I think there are all sorts of options out there. So irrespective of which elements of chemistry, physics or biology you like, um, there will be an opportunity to choose a, a topic that marries the nice, the, just the right combination uh, for, for you. So, I mean, the way it worked for me, as I sort of touched on um, uh, when I came into both my undergraduate and, and uh, PhD were fully chemistry really with uh, physical chemistry and organic combined particularly. So, but more traditional chemistry and the biology component didn't come until later. Um, but, you know, it's, it's still possible these days um, for example, when I came through, it was unlikely you'd have the tools to make a protein in a normal chemistry department. It just wasn't done then. And you would have to collaborate. Or as I did, I ended up going to uh, two different labs to learn how to do it. Uh, but these days, 
pretty much all chemistry departments, certainly around the UK, have the kit to make proteins in a chemistry department. So not only do we make normal organic molecules and biomolecules, but we can also make larger molecules like proteins and so on. Uh, so here in Durham, we can we have everything. We have autoclaves, etc. So we can make proteins in a variety of other um, a variety of other biomolecules. So so essentially anything is possible um so and when you come in it depends on your choice of degree program you know we have natural sciences here in in durham um but you can specialize from day one and you do more chemistry from day one if you really feel chemistry already know chemistry is for you but if not you could do natural sciences and you know that gives you the experience in different um in different fields uh, but, but even the pure chemistry program we touch on, as Max will know, um, our core chemistry program has to, in order to be accreditable by the Royal Society of Chemistry, we have to include all elements of chemistry, you know, so from physical through to biological, and, and we have that through all of our degree programs. So, I, I, yeah, I, th I think there's, a, there's something there for everybody. <laughs> I think I'd add to that that uh, any anyone at A level who's studying biology and is already set on chemistry should make sure they still pay attention because I've just started uh, biomolecular physics and I'm really regretting not paying maybe a bit more attention in A level biology. So it might just be worth noting for any A level students out there. Uh, so I think just the, just the final thing I'll say. Um, it, just do you have any further sort of advice for any any students at, at this level, any of our listeners who are considering studying chemistry at an undergraduate level, uh, and uh, you know maybe even into the looking further into the future, considering a career in it? Uh, well, I would absolutely just say go for it. Uh, obviously, a bit biased. I absolutely love chemistry. Um, but uh, go for it. There are many opportunities out there. It's a very diverse community, uh, certainly these days, and, and the labs are a fun place to be. So in particular, don't be scared about making mistakes. I think that would be my, my suggestion. <laughs> so, yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Okay. Thanks, Matt. That's all for today's episode of the Chemistry at University podcast. I hope you found this interview insightful. I certainly did. I think Professor O'Donoghue's research is really fascinating and in particular I think it shows how problem solving is, is a key skill for a chemist and it's a, it's a key skill that you'll develop on an undergraduate degree program. So even if you're not sure whether or not you want to be a chemical researcher but you know that you really enjoy chemistry then a chemistry degree can be a really good choice as it teaches you how to problem solve in a really analytical and unique way that I think was exemplified quite well in the last two episodes. So if you enjoy chemistry and you enjoy solving problems, then I honestly think a chemistry degree is a fantastic choice. Now, uh, if you have any questions or feedback about this episode, then my university email address is in the podcast handout. We have one more interview left in this series, which will focus on physical chemistry. I shall be interviewing Professor Judith Howard, who is a hugely influential researcher in the field of crystallography. If you're interested in the more physical and mathematical side of chemistry, then this episode is perfect for you and I'd recommend checking it out. Thank you again for listening and I hope to see you next time. Thank you.